I'm a talkative person because I'm an SE dom. It's like my only world is the physical. My words are the only means of me getting out my meaning and intention. We'll see if I eat those words. She'll be entertaining others all the time. This is exactly where I wanted to go with it. <laughs> Do I not dare to this bump on a podcast with people can hear me. You guys ready to go? Yeah, Kate. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Literally No Subtext podcast. Today, we are doing the inevitable episode, which is an introduction to the Myers-Briggs typology indicator and the eight cognitive functions. Now, if you are on this channel for some reason, you've no doubt probably already heard about the eight cognitive functions, but I'm going to go into it because I think it is something that's really important. Also, I've kind of never fully released a concise, really digestible explanation of the functions. I did release a video that was about the functions, but it was kind of like long-winded. And sometimes I think extensive descriptions of things can make them harder to understand than if we just came up with really definable definitions, definable definitions. My journey with the cognitive functions has been a long, winding, lonely road. Not lonely. I've had all you guys, which has been fantastic. But I mean, my understanding of the functions has evolved over time, especially because I'm an SE dom. So my means of making sense of things is always through tangible data, building those NI patterns with the SE data that I pick up. And so my understanding of the functions has only got more nuanced and concrete the more data I've gathered since I've started caring about this stuff, which was only a few years ago, I suppose. So I have uh, what I think are better, more understandable cohesive definitions of these functions and I'm already rambling so let's just jump straight into it. Now a common understanding about the Myers-Briggs typology index is that it was invented by Isabel Cook Briggs and Catherine Briggs Myers which is like kind of true. They did come up with the 16 personality codes as I like to call them, the four letters. Each personality has four letters out of eight. Technically true but what they actually did, and a lot of people don't know about this, is that they took the cognitive function model from Carl Jung, which he sort of began to publish in his 1921 work, Psychological Type. They saw value in what he came up with and they decided to take that information and make it into a more digestible, accessible tool that people in the modern generation could use. And that is the Myers-Briggs typology indicator. Now, these two women were not psychologists, so a lot of people sort of disregard the theory. And for what it's understood to be, I understand why it receives so much criticism, but I'm here to tell you why it's good to take a deeper dive and to not just define the Myers-Briggs typology index by those eight letters. First of all, it's really bad to just use the eight letters because the eight letters being that you are either extroverted or introverted, either a sensor or an intuiter, either a thinker or a feeler, either a judge or a perceiver. I mean, that's not even to say how vague and non-defined those terms are in and of themselves. But to say that you're either those things is creating these dichotomies and putting you in boxes that imply you cannot be the other of the things. So if you're a, fe a feeler, you can't be a thinker. If you're an intuitor, you can't be a sensor. And that's why a lot of people see the typology index and they're like, yo, this doesn't make sense because I do value, you know, sense data, but I'm also able to see abstract things. And I do think rationally first, but I also am able to feel things or I'm really in touch with my emotions. And, you know, I like to be organized, but I can also really go with the flow. And of course, my favorite, I appear as an extrovert, but I'm sometimes an introvert. Hey, maybe I'm even an ambivert. So I'm not going to take this MBTI system as anything important. I'm just going to disregard it. I understand why that's a thing. 
But I, on my YouTube channel, Dear Kristen, and on this podcast, do not condone people using the tool just for those eight letters with those undefined terms and taking it so seriously as to define their entire personality, predict all of their behaviors and to limit themselves with that personality. Because then, you know, we live in this world where we believe we are just an intuitor and we'll never have access to the sensing realm or we are always just going to be emotional and we'll never have the ability to think logically. And that can really get us down, limit us, put ourselves in boxes. And I am not pro this tendency. I think it's very good to understand I think it's important to understand the nuance behind the MBTI, specifically the eight cognitive function theory from which it stems, which is, you know, from Carl Jung back in the uh, good old 20s, the roaring 20s, as I like to call them. Not relevant right now, but still a cool thing. So I'm going to endeavor to explain the eight cognitive functions today with the purpose of helping you to understand why so many people are not obsessed, but use have chosen to use the MBTI tool and why I on my channel plug it so much. I wouldn't really plug something that I didn't believe in so strongly in the sense that I do think it holds validity. It's certainly helped a lot in my life. It's not my be all and end all. It does stop at a certain point. I think it can only take us so far in many ways, but it certainly has helped me with understanding my natural cognitive tendencies and my natural blind spots, as well as those of others, which has really helped with communication styles being able to extend grace to others and all that jazz. Just a note before we begin, and this is an important one, a reminder that your particular cognitive functions indicate your natural preferences in how you perceive and judge information. You and we are all capable of adopting behavior that reflects the use of other cognitive functions, but anything that's a chosen behavior is not what a cognitive function is. Your dominant cognitive functions indicate how you perceive and judge naturally without thinking, without even realizing you're doing it. If you choose to perceive and judge in another way, that's not a natural cognitive preference. Therefore, it's not your natural cognitive function. I mean, it's arguable whether you can even perceive and judge in different ways. Certainly, it might be easier to judge something differently. I could be like, oh, I'm going to make this decision based on what's good for the tribe, which could present as FE. But that could be an intentional decision that I'm making. It's not going to change the natural fact that the first point of reference that I go with anything is internally in terms of feelings and how I feel. My emotional experience is always separated from the tribe, even if I choose to go, hang on, drop the FI for a moment, Kristen, let's go outside ourselves today. So I can act with behaviors that seem FE, but that doesn't change the fact that my natural preference is FI. So jumping straight in, Carl Jung began his studies based on the understanding that the brain takes in information, which is called perceiving, and then helps us to make decisions based on the information that we've perceived, which is then called judging. Carl Jung's belief is that there are four totally different ways of perceiving and four totally different ways of judging. These are what are now called the eight cognitive functions, which we're going to talk about in this podcast. So Carl Jung divided the functions into two groups, which were extroverted in that they were tethered in the external world based on external feedback and more objective, I guess and introverted functions which took place in the inner world and which uh, cited the inner world immediately as the first source of reference or feedback. These eight cognitive functions categorize different ways in which we perceive and judge the world. They are introverted feeling, extroverted feeling, introverted thinking, extroverted thinking, introverted sensing, extroverted sensing, introverted intuition, extroverted intuition. The former four are the judging functions and the latter four are the perceiving functions. Perceiving being, again, the way in which we take in information, 
judging being the way in which we then make judgments and decisions based on that information. So Jung basically said that each human being has a preferred method of perceiving information in the world and a preferred method of then judging the information they've perceived. So these are your cognitive preferences, the means by which you naturally perceive and judge the world first and foremost without even realizing you're doing it. However, you also do use two of the other functions just less frequently and on a less developed or nuanced basis. So these four functions being your dominant function and then your second function, which is often called an auxiliary function, your third function, which is often called a tertiary function, and then your fourth function, which is called your inferior function. These four functions make up your predominant means of perceiving and judging the world. They are called a cognitive function stack. And given that there are eight different cognitive functions, this stack can present in a number of different combinations of the functions. And each of these combinations makes up one of the 16 personality types. So you see the 16 personality types are a code by which to decipher which your dominant cognitive functions are, which your inferior cognitive functions are, therefore working out your dominant means of perceiving and judging the world, understanding yourself, understanding the ways in which you're not perceiving and judging the world, therefore coming to know your natural blind spots and your natural ways in which you might be perceiving things differently from the person next to you. So it's important to recognize that the cognitive functions don't necessarily guarantee specific types of behavior. They can lend themselves to behavior, but they are foremost the mental steps by which we arrive at the behavior that we are doing. On my channel and on many other channels, obviously we do sort of play into the stereotypes of the 16 personalities. At the same time, I've tried to make it clear on my channel that the different characters that I create based on the 16 personality types indicate more natural behaviors that might or might not present based on the functions that they're using and also common misconceptions that can happen between the types, common misunderstandings, and natural areas that the different cognitive functions place value on in comparison to the others. So it's good when you're watching those kinds of videos to look at them through the lens of this isn't how my type is definitely going to respond. It more points to a truth about a natural preference that my brain might have in terms of jumping to a particular behavior or reaction or perception of something. Obviously there is some truth to the stereotypes on a foundational level. That's why we are able to present them in our YouTube videos. And if we didn't play into stereotypes, then the videos would look a whole lot less interesting, really. So again, each personality type is strong in two of these preferences, but unfortunately you're not gonna be naturally good at all of the cognitive functions because you can't prefer all eight of them as you're gonna come to see in this podcast because some of them are fundamentally incompatible to use at the same time. So first I'll explain the four judging functions. So these functions are based on how we evaluate the data that we have gathered with our perceiving functions. I'll explain the extroverted functions. So again, these are based on external feedback. They are more objective in terms of their reference and data points. They interact with the external world and they are less subjective. They're less to do with the subject and more to do with the environment or the tribe. So our first extroverted judging function is extroverted thinking and the abbreviation for this, which you'll hear a lot of the time in YouTube videos and podcasts is TE. So extroverted thinking or TE is all about judging external reality based on the functionality of the data it's gathered and how it is useful for the environment. So this function pays attention to empirically proven facts and standards about what works in the environment external to themselves. Because remember, it's extroverted, so it's not personal in any way. 
So it judges based on pragmatic systems of logic that have real world application. And so that's why people who use this function in a dominant position are very do, 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 go, 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 because they don't have personal attachment to the systems that they're putting in place. So it's not very high stakes. So types who use this as their dominant function, which are ESTJs and ENTJs, they're usually able to execute things quickly, efficiently and competently because to them, it's just about getting it done making the data that they've gathered useful and applicable for the environment, not on a personal level. They're not really attached to it in any kind of way. And if they are attached to it, it's due to their second introverted function. There are also two types who use extroverted thinking as their secondary function, their auxiliary function, which are ISTJs and INTJs. Our next judging function is extroverted feeling. Now, extroverted feeling does the same, but with people. So it's judging and applying the data it's gathered based on the emotional state of the tribe, the relationships in the tribe, how the tribe is feeling and the general consensus of the group. So rather than the reference point being what's practically, pragmatically, logically going to work in environmental systems, as extroverted thinking does, it's basing stuff based on the group consensus and what works emotionally for the relationships and the people of the tribe. So people who use this function are going to prefer citing what the shared value of the group is when working out what is personally important to them or working out what to do. So they go outward before they go inward when it comes to how they feel about things in the same way that extroverted thinking goes outward before it goes inward when it comes to what works. Now, the types that use this as their dominant function are ENFJs and ESFJs, and the types who use this as their secondary or auxiliary function are ISFJs and INFJs. So even this difference that we've just talked about between extroverted feeling or FE and extroverted thinking TE is huge and would present many different misunderstandings because these two different functions are making their judgments based on two completely different things that they find inherently important or the first thing that they should consider. So I'm sure you can already think of several misunderstandings like in a workplace where one person wants to make a decision based on the functionality of the the external systems and another person wants to make the decision based on what's harmonious for the tribe or the consensus of the tribe, the people in the room, right? You can already think of so many different misunderstandings that would happen there. And these are what I play into on my channel in terms of the different interactions between the types in order to help people understand how the different types are perceiving and judging things. Now, the reason why it's important to understand this difference as well is because a common thing that happens in the modern world, especially when looking at Myers-Briggs, is people will just say, oh, I'm an E-type, therefore I'm an extrovert. You're an I-type, you're an introvert. That means I get my energy from people and you get your energy from being alone. That is so not the case. I mean, it is, but it's kind of like a part of the truth, not the whole truth. Like there's so much more nuance to be understood about the extroverted types because each extroverted type is using one of the four different extroverted functions. And as you can probably work out from what I've just told you, if you're using extroverted thinking, you're getting your energy and making your decision based on completely different reference points from what extroverted feeling would be basing those decisions on. Extroverted feeling would be getting their energy from people. Extroverted thinking would be getting their energy from functionality in the space. So we're already starting to see why it's generally not advisable to take the Myers-Briggs typology indicator on the eight letters alone and just leave it there as extrovert, introvert, because you're missing a lot of nuance about 
all of the beautifully different ways of understanding specific ways in which each type gets their energy and what they need and how they communicate. So we've just talked about extroverted thinking and extroverted feeling. Now we're going to move on to the judging functions that are introverted. So these also are judging functions, but they are internal or subjective in that they're based on the subject. The reference point is the subject, not the tribe or the environment. So it's more personal, they're higher stakes. So first is introverted thinking or TI. This function judges based on the subject's personally devised set of logically consistent rules and protocols that they have established as absolutely true and therefore reliable. So for introverted thinkers and our dominant introverted thinking types are ISTPs and INTPs, they use it as their dominant function. And then the types that use it as the auxiliary or secondary function are ENTPs and ESTPs. So for these types, it's not about what makes sense for the external world or for the tribe. It's about what makes sense for them personally. When judging data, everything needs to be weighed against that personal fixed framework of what makes sense. Now, introverted feeling, on the other hand, or FI, judges based on the subject's personal values. So what feels right to them. So they are interested in going inside first to judge data that they are gathering. And they do this based on a subjective set of self-defined values. And they need to judge the data this way in order to feel authentic to who they are. So they don't go to the consensus of the tribe first to judge how they feel the way that FE does. They go inward first to judge how they feel in an emotional experience that is completely detached from the tribe. So you see how using both FI and FE as your first preference is literally impossible because you can't be going simultaneously internally as your reference point and externally as your reference point. You're going to prefer one or the other naturally. And that's what the types or the type codes stipulate in terms of the order in which your cognitive functions present in your stack. So if you prefer FI, it doesn't mean that you can't sometimes prioritize what the group is feeling. It's just about where your natural preference is first and foremost. And we know that FI works on an axis with TE. So just to clarify, the judging functions work on an axis. So if you are using introverted feeling, you have to also use extroverted thinking somewhere in your stack. And if you're using introverted thinking, you're also going to use extroverted feeling because one of the judging functions needs to be internal, more subjective, and another needs to be external, more objective. Because think about it, if you're going to yourself and your own independent emotional experience to make your decisions that's detached from the tribe in a deeply personal way, and that's your first reference point, right, FI, then what's coming out is going to be more functionality based because your personal judging tool is the feelings. So your impersonal judging tool, the one that presents to the group and the tribe and the environment is going to be impersonal. Like I've made my decision. I know what's right for me. So I'm just going to make something happen in the world because harmony for the tribe doesn't naturally come first. What comes first is what's important to me and my values. And again, this is all just on a natural preference. Every type is capable of exhibiting behavior of other cognitive functions because we are capable of stopping and being like, hey, even though my introverted feeling is really arcing up right now, I'm going to actively choose to preference how everyone else is feeling. And then you might present as an FE user, but that doesn't change the fact that where your brain naturally went, your natural first response was to go internal and think about the self. 
It's all self-based with introverted feeling and introverted thinking. And on the other hand, if you're using TI as your introverted judging tool, you are also using FE as your extroverted judging tool because the more personal function is what makes logical sense to you. That's what you're using for your personal decisions. And so because that's your personal attachment function, the feeling function is naturally going to be the less personal subjective function. And you'll be happier to sort of just placate the tribe, find harmony in the tribe, act based on the consensus of the tribe because that introverted logic is what you're using to make your decisions. So you're starting to see how each of the different types are presenting differently based on where their functions line up in their stack, but also based on the attitude of their functions. So whether they're extroverted or introverted, huge difference between them all. I mean, you look at two types who use extroverted thinking TE as their first function, ENTJ and ESTJ, they have this stereotype of being real go-getters, do, 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 make it happen, make it work, whatever works, efficiency, get it done. And then the types who use introverted thinking as their first function are INTPs and ISTPs. Their logic and their systems and their protocols are introverted and they matter to them. It's a personalized thing. So it's not so much about making it happen in the tribe. Those two groups of types could not be more different in how they present. ENTJs and ESTJs are stereotypically quite extroverted in how they present, whereas INTPs and ISTPs are known for being the most introverted types of all the types. So moving on to our perceiving functions now. So these functions indicate how we take in data before judging or evaluating it with one of the four functions that I just talked about. So first we have our extroverted perceiving functions. Now remember types who are using an extroverted function as their preference for perceiving data are using an introverted function to judge the data. So these are all of our P types. The first perceiving function we're gonna talk about is extroverted sensing or SE. Now this function perceives reality based on what can object be experienced with the five senses. That is their preference. They take in what they can see, but again, because it's based on external feedback, it's not personal in any way. They are exploring the sense data that they are gathering, playing with it, and then disregarding it. They're not storing it anywhere unless their introverted judging function judges that the experience is valuable or important in some way. Extroverted intuition, or NE, does the same but with abstract patterns and ideas as their preference. Because remember that where sensing functions perceive sense data first, intuiting functions are easily able to see beyond the sense data to the abstract patterns and implications. They naturally pay attention to and take in all of the patterns and connections between things in an abstract way, but not in a personal way. So they play with ideas and patterns as they come, and this can be by extrapolating a thousand and one simultaneously occurring connections and possibilities from just one data point. And then they disregard them. So they're not storing them away anywhere personal unless, again, their introverted judging function decides that the idea is valuable or important in some way. So at this point, we've talked about all four of our extroverted functions, extroverted thinking, extroverted feeling, extroverted sensing and extroverted intuiting. And within MBTI communities, especially when people haven't taken the deep dive into the functions, they can stereotypically just sort of stop the definitions at extrovert and introvert, which, you know, can be problematic. As you can see, now we've taken a deep dive into the differences between the four extroverted cognitive functions. It's quite clear that all four functions present in very different ways and they get their energy from very different places. So to just sort of leave it at 
I'm an extrovert and that's that. And I mean, these days it's typically known that extroverts get their energy from other people, right? I mean, that's the modern definition of extrovert these days. Well, we can see now that no, actually there's four different extroverted functions that you could be using, which get their energy from completely different places. So if you're going to use the MBTI system, please keep these cognitive functions in mind. Stopping at just the eight letters can make the system far too ambiguous to be useful and in fact can be quite the opposite a lot of times. This happens when we limit ourselves by saying, oh, I'm an INFP, I'm not ever going to be good at these particular things or I'm an ENFJ, these are my gifts and I'm never going to be able to tap into these other gifts. We don't need to use MBTI to limit ourselves. These functions don't have to limit you. They are simply a tool for understanding your natural tendencies and blind spots as well as those of others. Within your personality, you have access to all four sensing, intuiting, feeling and thinking tools. They're not dichotomies. Don't forget that. Okay, with that rant aside, let's move on to our introverted perceiving functions. So types who use an introverted function as their preferred method of perceiving will be using an extroverted function as their means of judging. So these are all of our J types. First, we've got introverted sensing or SI. This is a function that again is personal and about the subject because it's an introverted function, whereas SE is based on the external world and more objective in what it takes in. So introverted sensing takes in sense data in observable, tangible reality, same as SE, but prefers to store it in a personal database and sort it in a way that tells them how reality should be experienced. It cannot help but pay attention to details in sense data that are similar to things that they have previously experienced and is more interested in ordering sense data than experiencing it for its own sake. So as you can see, you cannot use both SE and SI naturally at the same time as your natural dominant cognitive function. SE explores sense data as it comes without any personal attachment to it and then disregards it, whereas SI needs to categorize sense data into familiar frameworks. Now, introverted intuition or NI pays particular attention to abstract links, implications and possibilities as NE does, but again, in a personal way that's about the subject. So whereas NE takes in observable, objective, obvious patterns and possibilities in the abstract, NI creates its own subjective patterns about what is symbolic or meaningful to them, to the subject. So for them, it's not about exploring infinite possibilities in the moment and for the sake of it, as NE does, but creating internal patterns about what is going to happen in the future or what will create insight that is meaningful to them. It seeks to understand the bigger picture of ideas that are important to the subject by fitting all of these puzzle pieces until the whole picture is gained. So again, as you can see, you cannot use both NE and NI naturally as your first preferences at the same time. NE explores patterns broadly and in an impersonal way, whereas NI is personal and selective in the patterns it creates. They are curated and perfectly molded by the subject, whereas NE just sees the patterns and they're all just sort of there to play with by anyone, unless again, the user chooses to dive deeper, which again, we can all do, but chosen behaviors are not natural cognitive functions. So now that we've explained all of the cognitive functions, we can see how all of the different combinations of the eight functions as the first two dominant functions of someone's natural mental processes would look very different from one another. So that's where we get the 16 personality types. They are just codes to work out in what order you use your cognitive functions. You can use 
all of your sensing, intuiting, thinking, and feeling functions. As we grow older, they naturally integrate more. We naturally get in touch with those lower functions that we use as uh, less dominant preferences. And the goal of MBTI is to present you with a framework and digestible terminology and understandable descriptions so that you're aware of where you naturally go first and foremost in perceiving and judging and where your weaknesses are in those perceptions, which, you know, we all have weaknesses and that's okay. But this kind of stuff really helps us to be able to say, okay, these are my natural gifts. These are my natural blind spots. Other people have gifts where my blind spots are and vice versa. And so I can appreciate those gifts in others. And this is great because if we understand natural cognitive tendencies and the fact that you know, we all have different ones. We are able to love people better in their natural tendencies instead of trying to change them, which is something you don't want to do because if you try and change people for their natural tendencies, but of course they're not going to change because that's where they get their energy and that's their natural mode. They're just going to end up feeling trapped, stifled and unloved. So using this tool for understanding is a really good idea. But again, just make sure that you are diving into the functions if you are using it, because it can be quite dangerous if you just stop at the eight letters. The eight letters are not coherently defined enough, I find. And they also suggest that MBTI is really binary and that you are either a sensor or either an intuitor. But no, the truth is that you use all four of those tools. It's just about in what preference you use them. So just to indicate some positive ways of using MBTI and this list I took from my sister's Instagram page. So thank you, Jenna. MBTI should be used for things like understanding general patterns in others, a possible way of explaining innate gifts that aren't from nurture, extending grace to others and yourself, appreciating gifts of others and self, and given language that communicates otherwise unnamed cognitive patterns. How MBTI should not be used is as a deterministic predictor of behavior, as an excuse for behavior or lack of growth, to stereotype others, to definitively explain every kind of behavior, or to box yourself in. And there is a fine line between those do's and don'ts. So just make sure you're keeping tabs on the way that you're using MBTI, keep it healthy, keep it loving, keep it prudent, keep it safe. <laughs> Is it secret? Is it safe? So that's it for today's episode, guys. I also did a video version of this podcast episode, though much more condensed. If you'd like to see that video, I've put the link to it in the description of this podcast episode. I've also thrown in some links to other channels and resources that'll help you learn about MBTI and the cognitive functions. If you like this episode, please feel free to tune in for more in the future. I'm going to keep doing things like this, interviewing friends in my life to help understand the functions and dabble in a few other things that are at this point unpredictable. I also include my type trends analyses on this podcast, which is where I post a question to Instagram that's really broad. And then my followers will reply with their answer to the question and include their type. And then I analyze the pools of the types and come up with trends that I noticed between the types in the answers that were submitted. So if you'd like to participate in that, please jump over and follow me on Instagram at Dear Kristen and definitely check out the episodes on the podcast because I think they are very interesting. The findings, I mean. Please also feel free to jump on over to my YouTube channel, Dear Kristen, that's K-R-I-S-T-I-N. On there, I do comedy sketches based on the 16 personalities. So cheers, guys, and I'll catch you next time. Bye.